When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we've got an awesome chapter 30, and there's a ton of cool stuff that goes on in this chapter, and I'm really excited to dig into it. But before we get started, I wanted to do a shout out to the original Gunter, Gunter Ray. You can find her at hashtag readykidney3. She just had a new kidney put in. We're just absolutely excited for her because she's just been a huge contributor, a huge follower. And past guest. And past guest of our show. When we went to the book signing, Ernest Klein even mentioned her several times in his like slide deck, and she was front and center. We are talking about a true fan of the book, a true knowledgeable resource of 80s and 90s material, and, and just the, the whole wealth of it. She's just truly an awesome person, and I'm glad that she was able to get a new kidney by an awesome donor. So just wanted to put out a quick shout out to her. Yeah, she was a fan of the book before it was cool to be a fan of the book. Damn straight. Yeah, uh, we, we got in late on, on the thing. Yeah. So shout out to Gunter Ray. Hope you're feeling better soon. So let's get started. We crack into chapter three. And it starts off with tech support, being a tech support rep with a 12-hour shift being just about as bad as you can possibly imagine. Ugh, worse than you could possibly imagine. Worse than you can. I have been support on 12-hour shifts. So this book describes it well. I felt like Ernest Klein kept on adding layers to the cake of awfulness of this job. It just, it just the chapter oozes and reeks of this sappy, you know, lush, light shade of phosphorescent green and office environment. It, it kind of reminds me of the beginning of The Matrix. That's, that's what I imagined. It's like if you had to imagine the shittiest call center job, it's like when Neo is at work. Yep. And that's that's his job is at this very sort of light green office environment, stifling and, and you know, just sucks the creativity and the life out of every human underneath it. Yeah, I, I pictured the exact same thing. It just it just sounded so dreadful. And every page, it was it just got worse. And to fully describe this, because I'd say nowadays – we don't have the extent of the restrictions office-wise that we had 15 or 20 years ago. Kind of has that Mad Men feel to it where it's just all suit and tie and desk and nothing personal. The book goes on to say, I wasn't permitted to have any decorations in my cubicle because I hadn't earned that privilege yet. If I obtained a sufficient number of perk points by getting high productivity and customer approval ratings, I could spend some of them to purchase the privilege of decorating my cube, perhaps with a potted plant or an inspirational poster of a kitten hanging from a clothesline. Aw, that's cute. Aw, that kind of stuff is just sadly awful. The fact that you have to earn points for that kind of crap. It really makes me feel like it makes me feel I guess privileged that I can just bring all my action figures and toys and leave them by my 
my desk and nobody cares. You know, and it is a callback to an office culture not too long ago, 30, maybe 40 years ago. When we think of offices nowadays, if if you're a programmer or a designer or something like that, you're usually allowed to bring in a lot of personal items. Work is somewhat casual. You rarely see people in big office spaces. Top companies pride themselves on not forcing their employees to wear ties. You people walking around in jeans, it's very business casual for most of the big companies out there. Even the stuff that's super professional is still fairly casual. And it wasn't like that like 20 or 30 years ago. This, this description here where you're not necessarily paying to put stuff on your desk, but but the corporate culture required a tie, it required that that button-up shirt and a suit and pair of slacks to do anything, not to get in front of people. But, you know, it was this sort of 80s, very formal attire for regular everyday work. This reflects that kind of, I think. I see the decorating of your cube as a way to bring more of yourself into your workplace, almost like a, almost like it's oddly trying to become like a, like a second home. Because they, they want you to feel comfortable in your workplace, so maybe you'll put in more time there, especially if you're not an hourly employee. And I would think that IOI would want to incentivize people making their cubicles be a little bit more pleasant to be around. I don't know if these kitten posters are the way to do it, but you would think, I would think, that they would want you to personalize your space as much as possible. Oh, my God. Motivational posters. It is the quintessential example of a company trying to make you feel better about where you are by putting stuff up to kind of program you to deal with life, right? Hang in there. There's an awesome website at despair.com that has demotivational posters. Those are the best. Oh my god, I, that's that is the perfect counter. Frankly, if you if you get those and go and replace all the motivational posters in your workplace, you will become a legend. I kind of like this one that says "Dream small. It's your only hope for success." Really, really, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 sad and and it's just uh, cynical, but at the same time hilarious because it pokes fun at this idea that the place and the environment you you're in can suck and that somehow putting up posters to tell you that it's not so bad just makes it worse. I'll say that having my little Ultraman action figure and my Mecha Godzilla right across from it mm-hmm. is entertaining to me. I see it. I'm like, that's nice. At my last job, it took boxes, boxes for me to move from one desk to another. I had so much personal shit. Right now, I have two items of flair sitting on my desk. Oh, do tell. I have a Dr. Ford bobblehead from Westworld. Uh, I just started that. And then the other item is a mini museum, where a mini museum is a is a resin cast block that has little incremental pieces. So like, for example, they take a fossil and they would basically chop it up into itty bitty little pieces and you get a piece of that fossil. Oh, uh, this was a Kickstarter once, wasn't it? It did. It started as a Kickstarter. Oh, I got to remember that. I picked up the third edition and, and you know, I'm, it goes from stuff that is really old, like space gems that are, that are, you know, four point some odd billion years old up to bits of space station, me or cosmonaut food. Uh, they have a, one of them has a little square that was cut from Steve Jobs turtleneck. 
Ooh. And one of my favorite pieces, although there's a lot of cool shit in this, is uh, Fordite. Oh. So the the painting base at the Ford Motor Company would get so many layers of paint from having cars come through. Some of the Ford manufacturing companies that shut down had this layered paint just caked and sort of blobbed in these these bays. So people would go in and from that collect, when you polish it up, it's just layers of colors. And it looks like agate, but it's not. It's paint from one of the painting bays at the Ford Company. So they called it Fordite or, or Motor, they call it, or they nicknamed it Motor Agate. I'm looking at some pictures of it now. It is pretty cool looking. So anyhow, those are, those are the bits of flair that I have at my desk. And, and not even so much that my company doesn't allow lots of bits of flair. What they really do is they just say, you sit at a desk. And if you're not there, someone else might sit at it. So, you know, no one says don't personalize it, but you kind of don't. Yeah. I'm guessing that more than just your current job has been sitting at a cubicle. How many of these jobs that you've had have been cubicle jobs? I've had dozens of cubicle jobs. I worked at a calling card a multi-level marketing company, and I was customer support there. Uh, just just dozens of them. So this chapter really speaks to me. If, it, if anybody who's listening... It struck just, a chord. It did a little bit. Oh, you know, it's kind of a, you know wet around the eyes. It kind of brings back memories. If you've ever had a, a second-rate shitty desk job, that's what this is. At any of these cubicle jobs, did you ever get a phone call from someone named Hotcock007? It feels like every day. They weren't called, they didn't call themselves Hotcock007, but how I referred to them might have included the word cock somewhere, mm. maybe. But I'm sure you had that, that moment where you really wanted to tell them to shove it up their ass and pretend you're a corn dog. I love that line. <laughs> it's so pure that, that to me is pure fucking <laughs> literature right there. Wait, 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 was that in the book? Yeah. You could shove it up your ass and pretend you're a corn dog. How did I miss that? I... How do you well, miss read that? it like 30 times? Uh, okay. It, All right. It's, so so, yes, so that's a great line. Yeah. So that's one that the courtesy software says, you can't say that, you know, response muted, violation, log. I'm fascinated by, I'm fascinated by the customer courtesy software because it's doing this on the fly. I'm wondering about the, any perceived delay on behalf of the person calling in. Because it sounds like it's seems like it's really high tech shit. All right, so there's kind of a spooky project that, of all companies, Adobe has been working on that can I know right? Adobe's generally known for like graphic design and even some video processing, but one of the projects that they're working on, I don't remember exactly the name of it, but you can give it a little bit of your voice like a, a small, a couple sentences, maybe a little bit more. And from that sampling, it can correct what you say. You can go in there and you can type in what you want to say differently and it will sound like you. So uh, imagine if you were like you said, hot cock 007, shove it up your ass and pretend you're a corn dog. And you wanted to say, but instead of ass, first off, it would type it out for you. What was actually said, you could go in, type in the word, but in place of ass, Replay it, and it will insert the word but in your voice. Well, now, isn't that just technology doing the Lord's work? <laughs> the scary part of this is that when we talk about fake news, that's kind of the, the, the hot topic, the hot poker at the moment is fake news, and, and having to literally scour through social media for infiltrators of people who would feign to be 
you know, from the U.S. websites that would feign credibility, but are really actually promoting social garbage and and they interface with each other so they kind of support each other like if you go into one of these sites it says this said that click here for proof and you click and you go to another site and oh my god it said it they're literally using their own references to do that so it's one thing to have crappy semi-believable news that's written but generally speaking when we talk about what's real we talk about what we can see and we talk about what we hear and that someone could go through and take a sound bite and literally just type out what they want it to say and and bend it and that you not you would hear it and you wouldn't know the difference is frightening you at that point when i saw that i was like I, you don't know who to trust anymore video or audio and it is a uh, light years beyond some of the other stuff that i've heard that sounds choppy or disjointed i remember seeing some piece about these faked videos of world leaders making speeches that they didn't make and they were, sh- oh. they were showing these videos of, I think at the time was, they had processed a bunch of videos of Obama and made a speech out of it that he didn't deliver. But it was all, yeah. it was all parsed from other videos and audio of his. Gotcha. It was, it was kind of creepy. It's incredible. So the idea that maybe in, let's say 20 years from now, 25 years from now, that a system could pick up on what you said and... interface with it and then replace it, know what you said and warn you for being the dickhead that you are for cursing at Hotcock007. Here's another thing. Slight side note. If somebody, how, if the person's name is Hotcock007, then how is the system intelligent enough to know that I'm not calling him a (laughs) Hotcock007? If I'm, if I'm addressing him by his gamer tag, you know, and it's Punani Butthole, how would it know that I am not cursing him in some way? I don't know. It's, it's really the technological challenge here, I guess. Because I totally buy that it could intercept it, stop it, and then replace his voice with something better. Like, I get that. But for me, I would want to say Hotcock007 as strongly and frequently as possible while talking to them. Like an insult. Hotcock. No, no, that's no, that's not, that's not it. No, you, that's 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 007. that's not that's no stop it. That's <laughs> just disturbing. No, what's disturbing is that somebody as stupid as this guy is a level seven avatar. Level seven is not very high, dude. And it's like there's like ninety nine levels in this game. I know, but remember that somebody who's really smart but doesn't have any money was what a level three, maybe. Well, okay. After years and years and beating on cobalts, but yeah, go on. I'm trying to remember what level was Irock, but he was level ten, right? I don't remember. You don't remember? I should, I should fucking know. But all right, level ten. We're all supposed right. to be the world's greatest experts on this book. I, 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 uh, I stand on the shoulders of giants. The Iron Giant, maybe. I, our audience, who are, who are far more uh, in depth at many subjects than I am. <laughs> no, no, I would, I would, you know, t- t- okay, hot cock, 007. It evidently is your sword. You, you bought it, and you can't use it yet because you're not of the right level, hot cock, <laughs> 007. How come you didn't so know you that, probably, hot cock, 007? You know, I would expect hot cock to figure it out. That's hateful, not sultry, all right? So I guess in 2045, the James Bond franchise is still alive and well? Yeah. I guess. 
evidently there's enough reference. Well, you know, it was plenty alive and well in the 80s. So it's not surprising. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah, but this the, he, I, this guy can't be a gunter. Uh, you know what? Anybody could could go into the game and look around on the ground like a chicken pecking for worms out of the ground and call themselves a gunter. Really? There's like there isn't like a gunter test. There's no gunter certification. No, but okay, but I'm talking about like a a semi-serious gunter. There are a lot of semi-serious chickens. <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're good at it. Okay, well, there's there's <laughs> people that are just there playing the game, and then there's people that are that are gunters. Real, see, I got nothing else better to do. Real gunters, hard. Let's say hardcore gunters. Yeah, he hard gunters like hot cock. 007 is a hard gunter. He's a hard something. Is that what you're getting at? I'm just saying. I point blank. I, I do not think that hot cock 007 is a gunter. I think he's just there doing buying swords. I guess that's yeah. Awful. If you're buying shit and you don't know how to use that shit or what level you got to be to use that shit, you're probably not a gunter. Yeah, you're also probably not very good at playing in that game. Probably not. He's he's, he's probably had to. Respawn a few times on Incipio. So, it, what do you think a guy with the name Hotcock 007 thinks he's really accomplishing with that name? I think with a name like that, he's got to be, I don't know, like he's trying to like score? I, I honestly think that the dumber names that I've seen, I mean the real stupid names, are like shit that kids come up with. You know, 8 to 15, they're just coming up with some stupid shit. And let's face it, after so many years... You've got to come up with a relatively original name that somebody hasn't used before. Because a lot, a lot of games, for example, require that you have an original gamer tag, original game name. So uh, Hotcock 007 is not per se original, but I've seen worse. Hotcock 006 was taken. Precisely. <laughs> Just had to up the number. I'm kind of surprised that a person would be able to get Hotcock 007. It's like a domain name. It's, it's Ludus Rules. It's kind of like wave yeah. three. Well, maybe. You bring up an interesting point. I wonder hmm. if Hotcock007 is some stupid little kid who's trying to act like he's a hot shit teenager slash real adult, which is why he sounds like a fucking idiot. It, yeah. Doesn't know how to play the game. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Maybe he's just like some seven-year-old kid doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. The better names I have heard are from adults who are, who are kind of treating it like a tattoo. You know, as you as you get older, you don't want to be ashamed to be called by it or known by mm-hmm. it. So I, I imagine as you get older, you, you're a little more thoughtful about what you're putting on your body. I'd imagine, at least, that it's something you've kind of invested in, that you're thinking, you know, it's something that you, it means something or not, but that a, a kid would choose something that they're going to outgrow in two years. Yeah. It just sounds really cool for the moment. But then later on, you're like, oh, God, please don't call me by my old name, Hotcock007. Do you know how many different screen names I had on AOL Instant Messenger? Because I kept on updating it like every six months or even more frequently. Do tell. How many? Oh, I don't know. Just a lot. Oh, what will you ask me? How many, though? Well, well, okay. What was the one that you were the most embarrassed by? I don't even know if I remember any of them. I just remember going through them because it was too—it was just too easy to. You're always doing it based on what your interests were at the time, and you know, had certainly some uh, varying interests over the course of time. So yeah, I certainly had a few. It, and that's the difference. Like in regular video games, like today, you, you get a console game and you can kind of change your name if you want to. It's not a big deal. 
In the Oasis, though, that's your alternate persona. That's how people are going to know you. Your friends are going to call you by this. Yeah, so you damn well better pick something decent. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of like when you're picking your, your email address as an adult. And it's like, well, someday I might need to put this email address, say, on, I don't know, a resume or something. And you don't want mm-hmm. it to be hotcock007 at gmail.com on a resume. No. Not to mention that shit just follows you around. Yeah. So somebody's going to get a hold of something. Oh, you used to call yourself hotcock007. That shit resides on the internet. Okay, so enough cock. I've, I've had my fill of cock. Yeah, it's been quite a mouthful. Bless. <laughs> I don't know. Scratch that. Reverse it. <laughs> So he's doing tech support, and he couldn't watch movies, can't play games, or listen to music. Oh. He's answering an endless stream of inane calls. And his only distraction really is just staring at the fucking clock, which is just the slowest way to pass time. And I imagine it's just so, you know, if we bore you to death, the hope, I suppose, is that you will pay attention and focus in on answering phone calls. I don't know. But I would imagine some people would be like, I don't want to end the phone call. Please continue to talk to me. It's like, don't go hotcock007. Let me help What's you with some ice cream. It's like, what are you wearing? How hot is your um, cock? Uh, <laughs> why did you come up with that name? You know, are you ever going to change it? You're going to get rid of that? Are you going to have that name removed? Yeah. But uh, you couldn't accomplish something bigger. You know, he could he could stare at the clock or he had the IOI stock ticker. Now, talk about exciting options. Always at the top <laughs> of every indents display, and you could not get rid of it. Now, that said, I think a stock ticker would be fantastic for putting your ass to sleep. That does sound very hypnotic. That, to me, sounds like counting sheep. Maybe you could play a game where you guessed what the price will be the next time it goes around. I don't know. God, that just oh sounds awful. It does. It's, it sounds god-awful. Like, it, I think I would rather be making license plates. Or, or birdhouses. I mean, seriously, like if I was in a prison and I was given the option between this and making license plates, I, I think I might prefer making license plates. At least I would be doing something and maybe the job would change every once in a while. But oh, my God. So speaking of hypnotic, he fell asleep numerous times during his shift and that each time he did his the system would sound a warning like a klaxon in his ears. <coughs> And jolt him back awake, which would just be the absolute shittiest thing to have happen. If you've ever heard a klaxon, if you've ever watched Star Trek and you have that blaring emergency sound. I think Parzival needs some full throttle. That feels like a commercial. You'd, you'd almost think there was product placement in our podcast, really. Yeah, well, if there were, we'd be getting a check. No shit. Uh, <laughs> so it would note the infraction in his employee data file. and. It had become such an issue that his narcolepsy was treated with two red pills in order to wake his shit right up. Now, I thought it was interesting that we're referencing red pills, not blue pills. And immediately I think like red pills, like the giant gel caps from NyQuil, the red NyQuil though. Is it red or is it orange? Oh, DayQuil's orange. Yes, but there's a red NyQuil. I thought there was like red NyQuil gel caps you could take. I don't know. But it, there's, it's interesting that there are just a number of references that deal with red pills versus, say, like the blue pill. And again, I'm hearkening back to the Matrix, where when Neo basically gets pulled in before Morpheus, and Morpheus kind of gives him the option of taking the red pill, which will wake him up into reality, 
or the blue pill, which will send him back asleep and he'll kind of forget everything and he'll go back to his crappy light green lit desk job. Could you imagine how different that movie would have been if Neo's name was Hotcock 007? <laughs> just has a different ring to it. It does. It's just you know, the seriousness, like the whole movie is deadpan serious. So replacing the name Neo with Hotcock 007, saying it seriously. Apparently Adobe can make that happen. <laughs> that's that is an abuse of the system. No, that's something we gotta see. Uh, so you're saying that we need to record over the word hotcock for Neo. Yeah. Or when he go, when he goes, Mr. Anderson, it's like hotcock double oh seven. But that's not Neo though. I know. That's because you know, we we'd have to do we'd have to do something along the lines of well, we're we're replacing his screen name. We're replacing the name with something a little bit more realistic, like Hotcock 007. <laughs> ah, bless. All right. All right. We always come back to the cock. Fantastic. So anyway, we, we were talking about red pills and blue pills. Let's go back to that. And how not to go to sleep. If you were in that situation and you had to keep from going to sleep, what what tips do you use to keep yourself awake when you've been up all night? Just, I just fall right back onto. Some good old-fashioned coffee. Pull some espresso shots. So glad you said coffee. Coffee. Okay, so caffeine. Caffeine is your drug of choice. Uh, There was a time where I would have opened up some Red Bull. Ooh, oh. Back when I was doing my graduate thesis, I was living on that shit. Mm. Probably did some permanent damage, too. Wow, yeah. I, I, I did not like Red Bull. I didn't like, nobody likes Red Bull. Really? Nobody, are you sure? I mean, they sell a shitload of stuff. It tastes like a sweet tart. But I, not I, in I, a good Which way. I don't particularly like. Yeah, not in a good way. Like, I don't particularly dig it. Sorry, Red Bull. You know, I know it's got wings and shit, but it's not my cup of tea. No, I was drinking it to function. There was a period of time where I was drinking like three cups of coffee a day and three Red Bulls a day. The same day. You had Red Bull chasers after your coffee? Oh, it was bad. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty phenomenal. Yep. Then I did a like a one-month purge where I didn't have any coffee or any of those energy drinks. That helped. That's good. That's interesting. Those were my tricks. I I'm not, if I think of anything else for staying up, I'll, I'll let you know. Mm. Mine was uh, about 400 milligrams of uh, caffeine. There you go. Drinking my my full throttle and uh, about 40 milligrams of Adderall. Okay. That'll wake me up. That gets me going. You got it down to the milligram. I do. It's like a prescription strength energy drink <laughs> with a prescription chaser. There you go. So on the flip side of that coin, mm-hmm. what do you do to go to sleep? Oh, I have a think. It's T H Y N C. Oh yeah, we've talked about this before. I want mm-hmm. one. I have a. It's a. It's a transcranial direct current stimulation device. So uh, it's Bluetooth. It connects to your phone. The device actually sticks to your forehead. You'll stick it on your forehead, and then another part sticks to the back of your neck, and they're connected. And uh, about after twenty minutes of a session, it's it's like being on. You know that sort of sort of sedated, drugged out feeling you get when you take flu medication? Sure. Well, okay. So like NyQuil, for example. Okay. Yeah. You kind of have that don't operate heavy machinery feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, where your eyebrows kind of sink down to, to the center of your pupils. It really gets in the way of my my daily activities of operating heavy machinery. Mm. 
Well, that's what I use. I, I will use that to sedate me down. It, it's without the druggy feeling, it brings you down to that place where you hit the pillow and you just get zonked out. Yeah. And it is it is pretty interesting. It's a neat experience. Uh, and I actually used a sleep device to kind of monitor my sleeping patterns, and it did make a difference. Yeah, I want one of those. I think that would be cool. I'm I'm interested in that stuff, but I'm a little weary of zapping my anything in my head region. I know it's mm-hmm. only like two milliamps, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, it's still kind of scary to me. Oh, okay, okay, right. So I, I I admire the fact that you want to take a step forward and do something that frightens you. I do. So we'll just have to plan on that. Yeah, my my sleeping interventions are a little less. I don't know what would you call that? Zappy. <laughs> Zappy. Zappy. It's not like some weird science shit where you know you have like sparks flying between poles and yeah, and you know and Gene Wilder going, "It's alive!" Exactly. No, not like that at all. Because you can't sleep to that. No, nope, you can't. too fucking loud. No, no, no. But it's interesting, though, because the, the little montage that they have you do to put this on your head, you can, you feel it. It's like a really big mosquito poking at your forehead, I guess is the best way to put it, without the after itch. Sure. And you can taste it in your mouth. You get a weird metallic taste. It's like licking a battery almost. Mm. Only only in your mouth, if you've ever done that. Have you ever licked like a 9-volt? Not recently. You want to? <laughs> it's kind of like that, only not nearly as strong. Okay. <laughs> All right, but... So you zap your brain to go to sleep. I zap my brain to go to sleep. But moving back to the book, so the moment that the lights go off in his tab unit, he is uber-energized and wide awake, which basically means that while he is falling asleep on the job, he's hiding his bread pills and taking them at night to kind of keep him up all night and do his thing. Good idea. And he says his exhaustion seems to vanish as he begins to navigate through the entertainment center operations menus with the fingers of his right hand dancing across the touchscreen rapidly. Dancing. Dancing. So is there some activity that you could do with full awareness, even if you were as tired as a dog? There, there are definitely moments where I'm just stupid fucking tired, but something's going on and I like y- your adrenaline's pumping and you just want to keep on going with whatever you're doing. Like it's been baseball playoff season. And my team is mm-hmm. in the World Series right now, but they've been playing some good baseball lately, although they've been making some very interesting games. The games have been very late, and I've been staying up for all of it, even though I'm stupid fucking tired. So mm-hmm. that's something that is a very... I'm not sure sitting and watching a game. Does that qualify? I think if your heart rate is getting over 100 beats per minute because it's really that exciting... Mm-hmm. I feel like that counts. Okay. Okay. Requires full awareness then, huh? I, I, I think that for me, first-person shooter gaming. So I like to play the Battlefield series, any number of them. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You're shitting on me for watching baseball, but hey, you're dude, talking about gaming? Dude, it's, it, it, it's hand-eye coordination. It requires absolute intense concentration. You're trying to move and fire at people and jump around and shit. It, it's... You know, you may not you may not be running, but you're not watching. You're doing with your fingers. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, I wish it requires focus. If there if was someone we could call for a ruling on this. Oh no, come on! <laughs> it, it requires intense mental activity. Hey, you know how much mental activity was going on with uh, me? But, not much. Uh, Shut up. With baseball? With baseball? Watching baseball? Just watching TV. But every pitch is stressful. <laughs> 
All right, all right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sell short watching baseball. I, I guess you're that shaming work. me. I just <laughs> game shaming you. Hey, baseball is the reason why we're we are recording tonight and not yesterday. Wow. Well, well, I see how it is. All right. Well, before Parzival committed himself to servitude, it turns out that he obtained some IOI passwords from an illegal hacksaw website that only work from the inside of IOI, which is, of course, exactly where Wade is now. So why why wouldn't IOI monitor an auction site for this kind of turncoat info? I know. This is what bothers me about it. It's like, he says that he ended up getting the codes for like a few thousand credits. You would mm-hmm. think that IOI would just be like, that is no money. Let's make sure that it's not bullshit. Although I could see them having tried this and saying, mm-hmm. you know what? This is a great way for people to get money off of IOI by saying they have these codes and these uh, back doors, but they're mm-hmm. nothing. Maybe that makes some sense why they wouldn't, they would just ignore it. Well, I don't, it, okay. So let's, let's go back about 15 or 20 years. Sure. When I was younger then. Yeah. Yeah. When people were pulling down free music. Oh, those were the good old days, huh? And I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember because I've not used it in a while. So back in, 2003, a 12-year-old girl was sued for downloading music for free. And I'm pretty sure it was Sony that had pressed the lawsuit. That sounds right. That was RIAA. And in fact, they sued thousands. But, uh, you know, I think the most popular case was this this 12-year-old named Brianna Lajera. And just... uh, it just really phenomenal because she was part of a system of of pirated not just files, not just music, but any number of things like software and and number of really pretty much anything that you could bring down videos. It really didn't matter. But what it did was you're basically crowdsourcing these files. And once you downloaded it, you were then also a source for contributing to someone else downloading it. And and the way that this worked was that you could go online and you would actually pull down bits and pieces of the file from multiple locations from around the world. And that would help sort of, you know, bring down and sort of crowdsource any one given file. So you could actually bring down files pretty fast this way. And it wasn't coming from any one person, uh, but it was a good way to to get music. So what ended up happening was companies like Sony would go on there and they themselves would contribute music and music files out there to see who would download it and then they could trace it back to those people and then that's how they knew how to sue them so i could totally see a situation where a company like ioi knows that this sort of thing is happening and then they would get online and you can do a number of things here you could either flood the online black market with fake usernames and passwords and that way it would it would obfuscate the real ones or it would put a level of distrust into the market so imagine if you go in there and you see like you know 50 or 60 people selling usernames and passwords all of them claiming to be legit and then they're not then the person who is actually legit selling a username and password no one's going to trust them it's going to drive the price of that username and password down because of a higher risk of it not being real, or no one's just going to bid on it. So they could have done that. They could have just flooded it with garbage usernames and passwords, or they could have bought them up. That's another way of doing it. But the problem with buying them up is you're actually creating the market. Exactly. That That's why I think that they might just have a policy of ignoring it, because who, like, what good is it going to do you anyway? Right. Well, I, but... They, like again, they could have done something, and and a lot of companies do these days, particularly when we're talking about 
uh, software or music or videos. It's a little bit harder to do now, but the RIA went after a lot of people and made that scary. In fact, I, I really stopped doing that when uh, when that shit started happening. I mean, you weren't perfect, and you and you never did such things. Mm, I never found usernames and passwords, but uh, you know what? I, I I wasn't making a lot of money when I was younger. <sighs> Who was? Yeah. So. You know, applications like Napster were fantastic, were super helpful. And I'll admit, like I went to Weir's house and I may have perused their software. Again, as as a budding developer, I thought it was absolutely shitty that these companies would charge like seven or eight hundred dollars for development software. And they were doing it because they know they could get big businesses to buy it for that. But that doesn't help a person who's trying to learn it. Nowadays, it makes more sense because companies that do that sort of thing have uh, monthly memberships. I'll pay you thirty bucks a month, and you can get their software. That makes all that makes a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah, although it is kind of frustrating that now you're hooked into all these monthly subscriptions to everything. Yeah, but I'm not committed to it. I can cancel it at any time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I prefer that than to have to pay seven or eight hundred dollars because that that forced me to go. And find illegal copies. And that's dangerous, too, because you never know who else will bake shit in. So it, it's not really surprising that you would go and find something like this. Uh, it's just odd that I think you would find a, a backdoor for relatively inexpensive. Well, we don't. It's convenient to the story. Yeah. But it is, a re, it is a real thing that happens today. So we don't really know. Like when he said it was a few, like a 2,000 credit, a few thousand credits to buy it. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that kind of translates to in modern dollars. I think we had calculated it once a couple episodes back as to how much the credits were no. that Percival owed, and then what a few what would a few thousand credits actually mean? Like a few thousand credits sounds like twenty bucks. We we were definitely talking <laughs> about his salary, right? But I don't remember talking about credits. Oh, we may have right. But not recently. Well, I'd, I would wonder if it's about the same thing. So uh, I don't know. But yeah, a few thousand, who knows what that means? It, it, that's either a lot or a little. It's, it's kind of hard to, to guess. But I found it interesting here that he was able to sort of go through and find passwords, backdoors, system exploits. What I find really amazing is the idea that somebody would go be, be able to memorize those things. I'm not particularly great at remembering things. Yeah, you got to give him credit because he did all, he memorized the these backdoors. It's not even just, it's more than passwords, it's procedures. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that takes some commitment. And I guess, you know, you're a programmer. Mm-hmm. The exploit that he was talking about, could somebody really do that under the radar? Yeah. Absolutely. And the more complicated the system, uh, probably the easier it is. Because, uh, you know, uh, when something is automated, you're really just talking about pressing. All you have to do is have a certain combination of something in, in a particular order in order to bypass. So, for example, if you call AOL and you say, uh, I need to update my password because somebody hijacked my account. And you have the person's name and their phone number and their last four digits of their credit card. If, if you know the answers to the questions, then you get through the gate. Then they will do whatever you want to, for them to do. That's, that's, really, uh, that's going really 
Kevin Mitnick. Well, yeah, I mean, that's social engineering right now, but computers are no different. If you just give it what it needs to, to do what you want to do and what it'll allow you to do, then there's no barrier. It's, it's a yes or a no kind of situation. So, yeah, you know, if you go through and you've got the right password and you've got the right credentials for that account, well, then you're allowed access. Nope, the system isn't going to pay attention to you. It'll, it assumes you have those rights. Yeah, but if the turncoat is programming this exploit where you have to go up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start to get uh-huh. in the back door, things aren't programmed in, the bu- in a bubble of one, right? A, a big uh, corporate security thing wouldn't be just one person doing it. So lots of people are seeing this and nobody's... No. Oftentimes, well, here's the thing is you're hidden behind in, in gargantuous amount of data for one. So the systems have to know to throw a red flag, right? It, you have to do something that triggers a, an alert of some sort. Because just because you have one person or a thousand people looking at data, it, there's tons of it for one thing. So you're obfuscated by the amount of data going through. Now, let's just say all of that's dumped into logs. If you're able to make it through all of the gates that otherwise would throw red flags, no one's going to pay attention to it until it's way too late. You know, but the thing here is that you've got to get around the traps. You've got to get around the things that they would put up to try to throw these red flags. So, for example, a honeypot would be an example of a type of trap. Are you familiar with what a honeypot is? Like uh, where you put honey? <laughs> I do like honey. No. <laughs> No, a honeypot is something that an automated system trying to poke and prod at the system would eventually find and try to poke and prod. And it's not something that any normal person would poke and prod at. You know, you might have a link on a website that's absolutely out of view of a person, but that an automated system would scrape and follow and go into. And it would try to submit forms against the page behind it. Well, the page behind is not a real form. That's the honeypot. It's attractive to an automated system, and it's meant to lure an automated system in, or even a regular user in, who's just really poking and prodding, into an area that, that otherwise no one else would get into, and that throws the red flag. If you made it here, you're not a good person. Does that make sense? For the sake of the longevity of the show, I'm going to say, yes, it does. Fair enough. And what that does is it throws a red flag, and then they can go in and say, we're going to block the IP of the person who made it to our honeypot, because there's no way they could have gotten to it if they were a regular person, Okay, is the gist. That's kind of how that works. So, yeah, it's totally possible that a person could fly under the radar, because when you've got the right permissions, it assumes that you're the right person, and there's no reason to watch you at that point. I would have thought that I would have some uh, a greater sense of paranoia. Okay. But imagine that there are tens of thousands of people working at IOI. And if they're that paranoid, then they've got to watch everyone. But what are you watching for? I don't know. Stuff. The, precisely. It's, you, you would have so much data that you're looking at, it would all look the same. It would all normalize. It would be... It would be a pl- think about how much it's been described to us in this chapter that every move that he makes is logged and analyzed and monitored. Why wouldn't they do that if anybody logging in with super user access just to make sure? Like, not that you 
maybe not see what they're doing, but just mm-hmm. kind of be like, well, nobody with super user access is doing this at 2 a.m. in the morning. Why is somebody with super user access online at 2 in the morning poking through the files? I don't know. Just something. <laughs> uh, unless you tell the system that people with super user access are not supposed to be accessing the system at 2 a.m., then the system doesn't care. system doesn't ask a question. It merely sort of follows orders. So if you threw a red flag because a super user was using the system at 2 a.m., you'd have to literally anticipate that being the case and, and want to make that something to look at. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's right. No one would anticipate it because it's just that crazy. Well, it's not. Well, it's he's just flying under the radar. He's just he's using accounts that work. Well, yeah, no, but I'm saying like he said the, that he wasn't, you know, what did he say? He said something of a nobody would anticipate it because it was so clearly insane. Well, and it is it is very underhanded. Uh, underhand is not the right word. It is very sneaky. It's very sneaky. The idea that they would bring anyone in, and because they've got a camera on them, because they're monitoring the audio regularly, and what they're really doing is to trying to track behavior, because really when you're talking about indents here, you know, it's, you're monitoring for behavior and you're looking for behavioral changes. And that's more like statistical tracking than necessarily monitoring for a red flag. I mean, they are red flags, but... It's still statistical tracking. That's a little bit different. So they have this super awesome AI-based courtesy software. I presume mm-hmm. has some machine learning in it too. Yep. You, know, you don't necessarily have to program it to look for certain red flags. It understands patterns. It picks up on that shit. And then suddenly mm-hmm. somebody's tunneling through the network at 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. That would potentially be against the grain of what goes on there that might pop out but fact of the matter is that if you don't tell the person if you don't tell the system that a person shouldn't be doing it during that time then how would you know but more importantly you're talking about 3 a.m in one place if ioi is as big a company as you'd imagine them to be then they are multinational which means that there is no 3 a.m so it wouldn't be unusual for somebody in 3 a.m. in Columbus talking to London, which is, oh, let's see, minus plus five Ooh. hours, so 8 a.m., that, that wouldn't, and potentially using their code, it, it wouldn't seem, you, you'd have to program it to say, very specifically, watch for this kind of behavior. And frankly, if you're going to watch for that kind of behavior, then you'd just make it illegal. It wouldn't make it a, a person able to do that. But if you're a super user, you know what that means? You're a super. yes. You're like a hero, unlimited capabilities. And do you know what happens if everybody is super? No one is super. No one is super. Sad. So having this godlike power at his fingertips, flying across the console. Being super. It is now time for Wade to shine. And he is tunneling through the labyrinths of firewalls and the network that is their system, rummaging through the plethora of data systems that they have available, the network of, of file systems. I could go on. <laughs> it's just there's a lot of shit to go through. Like he's talking about a labyrinth of firewalls. I mean, like mm-hmm. we all know we like every computer operating system has some type of firewall built into it. But like when he says labyrinth mm-hmm. of firewalls, what is he really saying there? What does that mean? Labyrinth is kind of a weird way to put it. So so generally, firewall is a hardware-software combination. 
It is designed to put a separation between your internal systems and external systems trying to access that internal system. So when I think labyrinth, I think like the movie Labyrinth. And, and you had like this very large series of walls between you and the castle. And the closer you get to the castle, you know, the, the more intense the experience becomes, the harder it becomes. Because, you know, your, your series of firewalls are meant to create areas of sort of designation where something bad could happen, but it won't cascade to the next. And that's, that's the, the, the term itself is actually taken from, buildings. from the term, well, it's, yeah, from buildings. Even cars, vehicles have a firewall that if the, the engine catches on fire, it will not cook you. And same for buildings. If part of a building catches on fire, the firewall is meant to prevent that fire from moving to the rest of the building. You don't have to educate me on it. I know all about them. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know you know. But but that's exactly what it's meant to do. So the firewall is designed from the software aspect as well to determine whether or not a person's supposed to come through. And if there's a system that throws red flags, generally speaking, your firewall is programmed to throw red flags. So somehow he replaced all the red flags with blue flags? No, he just had the right passwords and, and system requirements to get through every level of firewall, every every series, every firewall block that he came to, he was able to get through. And different levels of firewalls are looking for different types of behaviors to block. Okay. I'll be honest with you, though. Like most of the businesses I've worked for, they didn't have more than a couple of firewalls tops because, you know, why would you need to do that? You know, unless there was just, you know, more advanced firewalls, the closer you got to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop, I guess. Maybe somebody else could dive into that deeper than I can. That might be an audience question. Why would you have more than a handful of firewalls? Why would there be a labyrinth? I, I have a feeling that's not going to conjure up that many responses. Just saying. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's time to rock. It is time to rock. So he is tunneling through labyrinths like, like a prisoner digging out mortar between, between the bricks in a prison. With a spoon. With a spoon. It's another Matrix reference. That's right. It's kind of like in that movie uh, with uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Where he's digging out. Was that was that a was that a it thing? wasn't a spoon, but yes. Oh, oh. It was a rock <laughs> hammer. It was a rock, it was a rock hammer. So uh, it talks about exploits. Uh, can you think of like it's one it's one thing to have like passwords and backdoors, but you can talk about system exploits. Have you played any games with exploits? Are you an exploit exploiter? Uh, I already mentioned one earlier, unless it got cut out, but it was the, uh, the, what, the Konami that? exploit. The up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. You know, the, for the 30 lives in Contra or whatever other games they made. The... I don't think that counts as an exploit. Well, what else would it be? It's it's a backdoor. Okay, well then, it's. I just thought that when he's talking about like changing the brightness up and swiping down, that... Yeah. Okay, that's an exploit. That reminded me of the Konami up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, PA start. Right. So game exploits are kind of like mistakes in the game that you can, I, I know it, it calls the term exploit. So, for example, wall hacking. In the movie, I thought this was really cool because when he drove backwards and he drove under the racetrack, that's what wall hacking is like. And the way that you do wall hacking as an exploit in a game is you find a place where where you're, maybe your body squeezes into – because oftentimes when they draw out maps, for example, they render these maps, they don't fully connect 
all of the polygons. And there's the possibility that you can kind of like wiggle and squeeze and boom, pop through a wall. And what happens is, is you pop through the other side and now you can see through the walls, which gives you kind of like a vision beyond the wall. A person can't see you because you're behind the wall. It's a little weird. The skin only works one way on a wall. So if you're on the the back end of a wall, if you've squeezed through a crack in the wall, if you will, and you pop through the other side, you don't see the skin of the wall. You just see through it. One might say you tunnel through with a spoon. Kind of, yes. Only I would be able to see through the wall and they couldn't see me. And I could shoot through the wall because, again, it, it, the texture and... The resistance only works on one side of that wall, not on the other. So I, you know, somebody could, you know, do a little exploit, pop through, and then and I'll be honest, I did this once upon a time in, in a earlier, earlier versions of some games that I played, but you know, just to kind of piss people off that they'd be running through and then you would just shoot them. <laughs> and they'd never see you and they couldn't shoot back at you. They'd just know that gunfire was coming from somewhere. That was so but that's mean. an example of an exploit. Yeah, it was. I'd only did it a few times. It got boring really fast. But that's an example of an exploit where, where something just isn't quite right in the game. And it gives you the an, the ability to do something that otherwise the game didn't intend. And it gives you an advantage. I'm trying to think of in my short list of games that I've actually played, if there are any exploits, like true exploits. And I can't think of any. What games have you played? Not that many. That's, that's not helpful. Most of my gaming involves, you know, NES Classic. Okay. There there were some exploits, but they were like something called Cluster M. That doesn't sound anywhere familiar to me. Those were like emulations, which, which is really not an exploit so much as it is hacking. But anyhow, we'll move on. So Wade's able to put up the surveillance camera in his pod on a loop so they can do whatever he wants without getting caught, which is kind of a classic trick, Right. Where, you know, you've got the security peeps and they're watching a video of something and then somebody says, I'll just put it into a video loop, which is bypassing it and then somehow feeding it a small sliver of a recording over and over and over again. It's like what they did in Speed. They did that in so many movies. They did it in uh, Sneakers. I think they even did it in The Matrix. It was, it's so overused. That shit's played out. Yeah, now. it is played out. But it was a good idea. It worked. Yeah, yeah, totally. And masking it with the, uh, the switch over to night vision, kind of brilliant. That was an interestingly complicated way to do that, which, it, you know, again, picking, picking the mind of the, of the writer as to what inspired that sort of clever idea that the system would have a hard time transitioning from light, you know, a fully lit environment to night vision. So that that's that that's kind of clever. I was like, no, that's an interesting way of approaching that. Uh, I think we have our answer to the best way to fall asleep at night is to watch Tommy Q. Yes, over and over and over again. <sighs> it it yeah, not so much. So I, I think you had you had mentioned a question before. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay ownership on you, which was if it, something about too indents possibly getting it on, getting busy in one of these habs. Indents getting it on? Whoa! I bet you want to hear more about that. There was so much in this chapter that Chris and Aaron had to split it up into two parts. Tune in next time to hear these deviants talking about doing the nasty at IOIHQ.
So it, what do you think a guy with the name Hotcock 007 thinks he's really accomplishing with that name? I think with a name like that, he's got to be, I don't know, like he's trying to like score? I, I don't know. It sounds like in this day and age that many people will meet and not really uh, like meet online Mm -hmm. and never really meet in the real world. And I think they even referred to it earlier in the book. People would meet and get married and never meet in real life. Yeah, that's it's not (laughs) like there. This this isn't like Tinder or other online dating where you're actually going to meet somebody. Maybe that's what makes the name a little bit easier to swallow, (laughs) swallow. Oh, that's so bad. Because there is oh. because there is no shot at meeting oh. anybody. <laughs> Cut that one out. No. <laughs> Just the tip.